From Wacko Chaco Studio, I'm Ashwin Chaco, and this is The Fruitful Life, a show about the business of creativity and the stories behind the creators that have made their dreams a reality. Hey folks, welcome to The Fruitful Life, Ben of Boring Friends. Hi, Ben. Hello, how are you? Good. Thanks so much for joining us. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, so uh, I'm Ben. I run a small little design company called Boring Friends, uh, and I'm a graphic designer. So everything from uh, client work to running my own little online shop where I sell like apparel and soft goods. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's a big part of what takes up my day. So uh, that's me. That's so cool. Um, and I can't wait to hear more about it. But before we do, I like to start off with this question. If there was any fruit you could be, what fruit would it be and why? Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for these hard hitting, uh, extremely personal. Uh, uh, you know what? I've been eating a lot of oranges lately. Let's just go with an orange. Uh, I, man, I don't have a good reason for you. They're just really delicious. Uh, you know, simple, straightforward. That works for soon. You can you <laughs> grind it up into a juice. You can eat it with the peel on. You shouldn't, but you could. <laughs> cool. That's that's a good one. <laughs> uh, so tell me a little bit more about you and your journey. Were you always creative as a kid? Uh, did you draw a lot? Like what drew you down the path you're on today? Yeah, um, I mean, I, as a kid, I, I wouldn't say that I was as, like, I mean, not as artistic in the sort of drawing and uh, creating art sense. I, I was like a big music kid, so I, I started taking, like, piano lessons when I was really young. Uh, did that for a long time and then switched, you know, to eventually getting tired of playing piano and having to take lessons and do concerts and whatever and, and moved into playing, like, drums and guitar and starting my own bands when I was you know, in my early teens. And then that stuff kind of kept up for a long time as well. And then all the while in the background, I was like teaching myself graphic design and, and some sort of artistic stuff like that. And then ended up going to school uh, for a program that was, you know, had graphic design elements, but also sort of touched on a million other things. So uh, the program I took was like um, graphic design and illustration, but also like web design and programming and math and physics and you know, business development and product design and the whole thing. So you kind of got your your uh, hands dirty with everything, but you never really got to specialize in one specific thing. Um, so, you know, graphic design was was part of the journey and, and just sort of becoming very familiar with like tech and media. And um, yeah, graduated from that and then freelanced for a little bit and then took my first like full-time graphic design gig um, which I did for about a year um, and then went from there to work at Shopify for the better part of like a hundred years, I guess. Oh, I, no way. I, always, I forget how long I was there for exactly. I think I hit like eight and a half years or something like that um, before leaving that to to sort of branch out uh, on my own and and sort of do this whole freelance thing by myself. Um, and, and in the last like I think like year or two that I was there was when Boring Friends sort of started. Because um, I was always like a, a graphic designer who like couldn't draw. Like I sort of 
relied a lot on you know adobe software or just like software in general to to make my sort of ideas come to life um which you know is like fine you, you can do you can do fine just using like a mouse and a keyboard to to make drawings and stuff like that but i feel like you really expand your horizons a lot once you can actually sit down and like make something with your hands and, and then turn it into something digital from there um so yeah i've, I've really only been doing the whole drawing thing for like about five years now um okay. five to six years um so I, I still feel very like brand new and and fresh to to doing it in that way but um it's been cool it's been fun well you're doing a good job so far appreciate Love the stuff <laughs> <laughs> so you said you worked at shopify i suppose that must have done a lot to show you the behind the process setting up a website producing products and and that sort of thing yeah, I mean, uh, I was there for long enough and the company like grew enough in that time that the nature of what I was doing in the company changed quite a bit um, in the span of all those years. So like I started there actually being more on like the coding side. So like the first few years I was there, I was doing, um, uh, I was on like their theme support team. So people would like make like Shopify themes and code them. And then it would be up to my team to like sort of support them and debug them um help clients set up their own Shopify store and do any like customizations and and coding work for them um you know which was fine uh and like interesting and challenging but I've never been like uh all that obsessed with like uh with front end development or anything like that like it was just sort of an interesting problem to solve and you know all the while I was kind of doing more and more of like teaching myself in the background how to do more graphic design oriented stuff and like, you know, doing tutorials and going home and like teaching myself some stuff. So I sort of slowly made the transition over to, um, to their design team. So I started off on like their offline marketing team. So I would do a lot of like collateral for, um, like in-person events and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then eventually just sort of moved on to like more general sort of like UX marketing. So did a lot of like landing pages did some illustrative work here and there. Like, uh, it was always something I was like dabbling in and like, I, I would just sort of like fill a hole, um, or like fill like some sort of need or gap when we need like illustrative work for a certain piece. Um, so, you know, with my entry level skills into illustration at that point, I could like sort of provide, uh, for that. But, um, yeah, I mean, like th throughout the whole time I was there, I feel like I sort of wore a whole bunch of different hats and tried a whole bunch of different stuff um, until realizing I, I didn't want to really do almost any of those. <laughs> and I wanted to branch out and sort of do this stuff on my own. What what sort of was like, was there a catalyst moment with, uh, you know, making you or pushing you out the door? Did you get to a situation where you were like uncomfortable or you were like, OK, I've had enough of this and. I just, I just want to draw guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was sort of a combination of a bunch of things. Like I said, like sort of in my, in my last little while that I was there was when I was starting to learn to draw more seriously and, and, you know, boring friends existed, but it was like very, very new. Like I think with, within the same year that I quit, I had like started to learn to draw um, and had, you know, launched like some products and stuff like that. Like I, you know, at that point, the drawings were like pretty basic and pretty simple, but every so often I would draw something and someone would, you know, ask when they could get it on like a t-shirt or a mug or something like that. And at that point, I, I it wasn't even something that I had like considered previously. Like I, I had actually worked 
you know, for Shopify for the better part of like 10 years, but I'd never had my own online store that I was running. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was under my nose the whole time. So <laughs> finally got around to like set up an online shop and I sort of did like some, like just sort of quick, like print on demand products, um, just to, to see what that was like. And then, you know, once you experience the feeling of like making a product that's like completely coming from inside and just from some like crazy idea you had in your head and then being able to like put it out there in the world and someone would actually like give you money so that they could wear that shirt around or like drink coffee out of that mug or whatever. It's like a pretty cool feeling. And it's like, it's kind of uh, addicting once you, once you tap that a little bit. So um, yeah, like I, I think I was just, I was messing around more and more with the boring friend stuff. Um, I think once you're kind of anywhere for like eight, something years you're just gonna get a little bit anxious to to branch out and try something new and find something to be excited about um and you know I was in a position where I could leave and just sort of like see what's out there and, and support myself for a while and just sort of see how it goes like I, when I left I I didn't leave um you know with this picture in mind of what it is that I'm doing today like it's not that I had this like because that, that was about three years ago now. It's not, not like I had this three-year plan. And then, you know, here I am today doing exactly what it was that I had, like, charted out. Like, I, I sort of left expecting that I was going to, you know, do the stuff that I was doing previously at Shopify. So any of, like, the UX work, website work, whatever, to sort of support myself and pay the bills. And then uh, on the other side, I'll see where this sort of, like, cartoony drawing stuff goes. Um, but who knows if there's anything there. And then I think... Um, probably within like the first few months, uh, I decided to just kind of like merge the two. Like I, I sort of had like, <clears throat> you know, Ben Cordes, graphic designer for hire, freelance, whatever. And then Boring Friends, which was just, it was pretty like cartoony and comic-y then, um, but was sort of like starting to find my style and starting to understand what it was that um, I wanted to do with that. And then at, at some point I just decided to merge the two because it was a lot less complicated that way. Um and then things just started slowly, I don't know, I guess, like revealing themselves to me in a way to be like, like I was able to sort of follow what I found interesting and follow um, what got me out of bed in the morning. And so, you know, I, I don't really do web design stuff anymore. I don't really do UX stuff anymore. I just do the things that that I find interesting. That's it's like fascinating hearing that you stuck it out for eight years. I haven't come across many creatives who have, you know, stuck in a job for more than a year or two especially nowadays there's there seems to be a like jump every year or so yeah and... i think i think like creatives or even just people in the tech industry in general yeah. like eight, eight years in the tech industry i think makes you like ancient basically but would you say it was around 2020 that it shifted that your illustrative work started taking <clears throat> off or was it after that? yeah well like i quit shopify like late 2019 so okay. just like a handful of months before covid so um you know i quit and, and i like you know i had pictured being like all right the next few months like i'm not doing anything like i i have been working nonstop for all these years so i'm just gonna like take it real easy um and you know i was like in the next year i'm gonna like travel a whole bunch and i'm gonna like <laughs> do some some self-discovery and whatever and nothing can get in the way of me uh participating in that so uh, yeah. And then, and yeah, COVID hit and all of a sudden I kind of had to rethink everything. So, I mean, in a way it, it, it helped me sort of stay inside and I got to 
draw a lot and experiment a lot. And it, it gave me a lot more time to like not have to worry about other responsibilities because there kind of just wasn't anything else. So as a means of distracting myself, just got to make art and kind of fart around and develop my style a little bit. Um, so it kind of worked out in that way. And then uh, didn't work out in about a hundred other ways that we don't have to get into about COVID, but um, yeah, yeah uh, really, really interesting time to just sort of throw a, a wrench in the gears of my life and rethink everything right before a major pandemic. <laughs> no, I, I can totally relate. I think like 2019, I decided I was going to go illustration full time. So no more graphic design jobs. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. Luckily, just before I'd had a huge job. So everything sort of, um, I was sort of set up. And I, just like you, I, I think it it helped me a lot to sort of clarify the direction I wanted to go with my work and also hone in on my illustrative style. So curious about this, because I think every illustrator gets asked this, how did or what how did you develop your style within that period? Were there specific questions you were asking yourself? Were they, there things that you were drawn to that created your style? Or maybe there's an ethos behind it? Tell me a little about that. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like. I don't know if I've ever thought very, very purposely about like exactly what direction I wanted my style to go in. And, and even now when I feel like I, I do draw or like create things in a more consistent manner. And I, I suppose like there is, there is a style to it, but I never really feel like it's, it's complete. And I've like achieved the style that I want and that's what I stick to. And it's always going to look the same. Like I always feel like pretty much with anything that I make that I'm always like iterating bit by bit on the style itself. So even when, you know, I had a ton of free time to like try things out a few years ago and I was just sort of experimenting like, I don't know if I, if I had this like goalpost or whatever, or like anything that I was working towards as much as I was just sort of like taking in all these different types of influences and all these different art styles, um, and just sort of seeing what would happen if I tried to recreate those things on my own, or like taking little pieces of this over here and mixing it with a thing over there. Um, it's really just for me, like more of a practice in like curiosity around like seeing art that I enjoy and art that I like, and then thinking to myself, like, okay, if I, if I sat down, could I just like recreate that on my own? Like, am I able to, um, you know, take certain elements of it and, and see if I can make that with the tools that I have at my disposal. And if not, then, you know, I'll start messing around and seeing how it is that someone gets to that stage. Um, and, and I think just through the process of doing that kind of thing, you end up kind of like crafting your own style because you're inevitably going to be putting your own spin on uh, on the stuff that you're making because it's being drawn by your hand and it's being processed by your brain and, and mm. you know everything about it's going to have its own unique little spin about it and I, I think you just kind of do that enough times that certain things tend to stick and then certain things come out in like a certain way when you go to make a piece of art for yourself or something that you want to be able to like share with the world you're kind of like picking and choosing from all these little micro influences that you've gathered along the way I think that's that's so true I think too many illustrators put pressure on themselves that you know you have to set this style and then you're stuck this this is it and that's sort of like 
prevents them from getting to it in the first place. And then when they do find something, then they feel like they're imprisoned by their style. Whereas I think if we look even at the masters, you know, they were always iterating within their work and the, the style shifted with us because we, our taste shifts are, um, what we like shifts over time. I mean, what I liked as a teenager is completely different from what I like now. And so my style should sort of evolve to take in those observations because I think as illustrators, our style is the bridge between who we are and what we want to say. And this is sort of the language that we're using in that current period. And I think you yeah, make absolutely. a good, good point with, you know, it's... Um, you find inspiration, then you uh, imitate it, then you iterate, and then you innovate, you know? So like the four eyes, <laughs> as I call it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think that uh, it's exactly like you said, you know, it, it would be kind of crazy to always stick to the same style. We're not like crazy as much as just like, at least for me personally, picturing having to always do the same thing over and over, I don't think I would be able to handle it. Like I'm a little bit too stir crazy and, and antsy <laughs> to just always do the same thing over and over. Like I, in order to like keep my own attention, I've got to switch things up and I've got to um, find new ways of like communicating certain ideas or, or expressing myself um, because yeah, otherwise you're just going to end up kind of doing the same thing over and over and that's not a fun place to be either. And that's the thing, too, is that there's really no, um, like, shortcut to finding mm. your style either, right? Like, there isn't yeah. some sort of, like, you know, you can take as many courses or read as many books on, like, finding your style as an artist or an illustrator. And I'm sure yeah. they're full of, like, good advice about, like, where to find inspiration or, like, things you can try out. But at the end of the day, like, your own style that that looks like you and, and feels unique is only going to come through, um, you know, months or years or whatever of of just trying stuff out and making so much stuff that you know you figure out what works and you figure out what feels good and you do it enough times that you you have a better understanding of of what it looks like yeah it's like throw throw shit at the wall and see what sticks sort of thing <laughs> basically yeah and uh, i'm curious about like how much is play a part of your process do you play a lot with you know textures tones or like just uh, the idea of playing at work is that important is that a part of your practice yeah I think it's super important like um I really try to you know spend enough time just sort of like doing loose creative work where I, I haven't really set any specific expectations for what it is that I want to come out on the other end um you know just sit down and draw or just sit down and and either like sketch or scribble or like do whatever it is that you want um, just as a means of like keeping things loose and just sort of seeing what comes out on the other end. Like um, I, I'm not as good as doing this at doing this consistently lately, but I usually try to like frequently set like sort of a timer and just like sit down and have like, I'll, I'll tell myself I have like 15 minutes to just like put stuff on paper. Like it can be whatever it is that I want. Like just like, put a bunch of lines down or try to you know sketch something that's in front of me or try to like recreate something that I like or just sort of freeform start drawing and start creating um and you know if the timer goes off after whatever it is 15 minutes or 30 minutes and uh I hate it all and it was all frustrating 
um and i don't feel like any any good came out of it then like then i can still be like okay with that i can still be happy with that because i still did something that day and i'm still like i'm still keeping the ball moving i'm still growing mm. but like more often than not <clears throat> if you just sit down and do that for long enough like something's going to kind of click like you're going to you know two lines are going to kind of meet in a certain way where you're like oh i think there might be like something there or like you you you've drawn out like two elements on the page that are interesting that you never mm. thought um, would work well together within a piece and then you know your brain starts to sort of forming these connections and then all of a sudden you have an idea for a piece and then um you know for me once that sort of click happens I'm kind of like I'm not doing anything else until that idea is like expressed and that idea is out there and I've like made some sort of piece of art out of it like I get a little bit um obsessed with the idea and then you know won't eat or like get out of my chair <laughs> until uh until it's done and then my shoulders hurt and the sun's gone down or something yeah that's that's so like important the the idea of like setting yourself playtime uh, and I, I tried to do that in my own practice as well and and for me more most recently because I do so much work digitally it's like okay let me get off the computer let me get off the pad and um I've been using like ink and a brush so I'm doing these like one-off oh nice you know sketches where I don't draw with a pencil you just have to like go, go for it. it. So no like choice. it takes away the fear of like uh, you know, messing yeah. up and, you know, like trying to perfect things. It's like leaning into some of those um, imperfections. And that's part of the style as well is like, you know, when you lean into the the mistakes you have, uh, it can be, it, it can produce something really interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's how, that's how that kind of thing is going to evolve, right? From all these little pieces that are different from before and then all of a sudden there's a, a mistake that like you know it starts as a mistake but then you see how it fits in the in the greater scheme of things and you're like hold on like th this could actually work and I'm, I'm gonna try and make that mistake again and and see what it looks like yeah do it on purpose the second time <laughs> exactly um but if we don't give ourselves the the space to do that then that possibility is gone it's, it's so much about pursuing our curiosity like you said that idea comes and then then it kind of niggles at you until you you kind of express it properly yeah exactly so i'm curious with you you've been like a lot of different artists you've been exceptionally good at building a social media presence or building a personal brand as it were uh tell me about like what's the story behind the name uh, boring friends. Where did that come from? And uh, how did you go about building your personal brand? Right. Um, I mean, the story behind the name is uh, not really that interesting, to be <laughs> honest. Um, it was uh, like I mentioned. Was it like boring? I started. Yeah, it was. It was. It was pretty boring. And <laughs> friends were there. No, they weren't. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like. As I'd mentioned, like five something years ago, I started taking the drawing stuff more seriously, um, which really just started out as, you know, I, I think I really just wanted a way to like have some way of adding art or like illustration to just like dumb fart jokes that were like in my head or whatever. <laughs> um, but in the process was still challenging myself to learn to draw or like sketch things in the room or or just like experiment 
Um, and so eventually I, you know, I had enough stuff that I felt like, you know, why don't I just like start an Instagram and I'll start posting this stuff there and just like see what happens and, and see where it goes with sort of zero expectation. And honestly, I think I was just like sitting in a coffee shop when I decided I was going to like open up uh, an Instagram account. And I like, you know, the first thing it's going to ask you when you start something like that is what the name of it's going to be. And I don't, like, I think boring friends just popped into my head. Like it just sounded kind of ridiculous and silly. And, um, you know, I wasn't taking it all that serious back then anyway. So I was like, all right, that like, that sticks. Uh, the username is not taken. So that's like enough of a qualification for me. So uh so let's just let's go so that's what i that's what i did um in terms of like growing things though i mean um yeah i mean it it has evolved a lot from what it looked like five years ago i mean i think even if right now you scroll down to like the the bottom of my instagram page i've removed uh, like a, a large chunk of what was there previously when i was starting out because it's like you know now i'm on an account where i'm trying to convince people to hire me and to <laughs> you know to believe in in the skills that I have or whatever but some of it's still there and and it's it's kind of weird and out there and uh, clearly I'm just like experimenting but you know at some point I, I shifted to it not always just being about like comics or making jokes or whatever and it became more about like making art and like representing ideas or feelings um so kind of just like leaned into that and then you know, on top of that, like for probably the, at least like the first couple of years, first few years of me running it, like it existed as like an, an art account. So all that was on there was just art and the art that I was making, which is cool and is like the whole point. But there was really nothing about the person making it like there there was no sort of like behind the scenes of like who's doing this stuff and and why are they doing it and what are they thinking about and how do they get here and whatever. So I just started making the journey a little bit, or not the journey, but made the account a little bit more about my journey and who I am and, and where I'm at, um, as well as um, sort of making it also about um, like showing other people the way of like how I got there or, mm. um, you know, trying to express um, the idea that like sort of here's where I am. I've only been doing it for a handful of years. If I can make it after a few years of doing this stuff than, than so can anyone else really. Um, and so I think once I started making it a little bit more authentic to me and, and started showing a bit of the behind the scenes and, and talking about who I am and what I do, that's when people started catching on more. Like, I think people start to relate more once they understand who it is that's doing that stuff, because a lot of people are sort of at similar places in their journey. So they want to see what's working for others. Right. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of taken off from there. I think I got kind of lucky as well that like I started doing, you know, reels and TikToks and whatever, right around when it started like taking off a little bit, um, which was foreign to me. Like I had never really done video content and like still to this day, it, it's not really like a comfortable thing for me like I, I don't love to like just sit in front of the camera and like talk on my own to nobody because it makes me feel like I'm just like talking to myself and <laughs> screaming into the void um but uh yeah I started messing around with video stuff and and those you know every so often you get one of those that kind of takes off and that gets a lot more eyes in front of your work and shows people what you're doing so um just just kind of went with it and you know I I try to iterate 
um, or reiterate to people over and over that like all of this is just me flying by the seat of my pants. Like I'm, I'm just sort of like figuring it out as it goes and it seems to be going okay. But a lot of it is just guesswork and a lot of it's, you know, getting lucky or, you know, having done enough work ahead of time that when you do get lucky with certain things that you're like, you're, you're ready to show up and, and do certain work or, or, um, you know, present yourself in a way that's, that's interesting and that people, um, latch onto. I like to call it positioning yourself to get lucky because, uh, you sort of have to do all the hard work and then the opportunities might be there, but maybe you're not ready for it. And so if you position yourself by doing the work, then when the opportunity comes, you're ready to go. And yeah, absolutely. I, I think you said some really important things there for illustrators all over who might be listening to this. Um, Ben's point about the fact that the audience really wants to connect with the person behind the art than the art itself. The art is almost like the vessel and then the person is where the connection really happens. And so as soon as Ben started putting himself in front of the, the account and the camera, then they're connecting to the person and they like the person. So they like the art and they like the art. So they like the person. And it's this kind of like, yin yang effect or yeah you know. i mean i think it just it helps to have both right I yeah mean, there's yeah. plenty of like amazing art accounts out there and amazing artists who you know uh their social media presence is not at all about them and it's really just about the art and those are great as well um but yeah for me i think especially because i wanted to shine a bit of light on the whole sort of like anyone can do this mm. attitude um i think it's important to show uh the person who's doing it and and where did that kind of thought come from? Was it almost like pep talking yourself through the process? You're like, anyone can do this. Yes. I mean, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think, again, because the the, you know, illustration side of things and the drawing side of things still feels like such a brand new thing to me. And because mm. previous to any of this, um, I had always kind of like dismissed myself as you know, you, there's people who can either you, you're born and you can draw or you can not draw. And, you know, for decades, I was a person who could not draw, doomed forever to live and die that way with no skills in the drawing department. Um, but then, you know, realized that drawing was a, you know, a learnable, teachable skill, just like any other. Um, and then, you know, had a bit of like a, a, a moment realizing that, <clears throat> You know, if if I could spend my whole life being convinced that I can't draw and uh, I'll have to do everything I can to just work around that and like exist within the creative field, but not be able to draw and just uh, be frustrated by that. Yeah. Um, but then one day realize that I can actually do these types of things and that I have mm -hmm. it within me to like create this type of work, then obviously there are going to be tons of other people out there who are of the same mindset, right? Who just sort of like dismiss um, what they're capable of and what they're capable of learning because, um, you know, they have some attitude or some sort of like preconceived notion that this just isn't for them or they don't like have um, those types of skills and they never will. Whereas like, you know, the reality is that it's just a matter of sitting down and actually wanting to be able to do it and actually doing enough of the, the work that you get better at it. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. Everybody can draw if they choose to like i 
because I, I I write children's books, I do events at schools, uh, author reading and stuff like that, as well as drawing with kids. And I also do uh, motivational speaking with adults. And if I go into a room full of kids and ask them, who here can draw? Every all hand in the room goes yeah. up, you know, and they all love it. <laughs> and then you go into an auditorium full of adults and you'll have like five people put yes, their hand up. Yes. <laughs> it, but it's interesting, right? It's like when, uh, like, I wonder if you go through all of those, like follow all of those, those kids through their journeys yeah. and, and find like the moment in their life where their hand went from being up to being down, right? Like, what was it that did that to them? Was it like a teacher telling them that mm, what they made was yeah. bad or was it them just comparing themselves to others and feeling very like frustrated about it and just deciding that they couldn't do it anymore? Um, you know, it, it's interesting to think about like what caused people to to make that shift because, like you said, everyone starts off not caring. They all everyone yeah, can draw it. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, you know, kids are just going to take the most simplistic view because you're just asking them like, who here can take a crayon and put lines on a piece of paper? And yeah. every five year old is will be like, yeah, I can do that. Like, that's that's pretty simple. And you're asking the same question to a bunch yeah. of adults, but they're hearing it as like, okay, who here can take uh, an expensive pen and recreate, you know... Uh, the Mona Lisa. <laughs> yeah, the Mona Lisa, or like draw an entire block of like complex architecture or like mm. do a, an accurate portrait or draw a comic book or whatever. And, and they'll say, well, I can't do that. That's not something I can do. But that's really not what the question is, right? Yeah, I think there's there needs to be a differentiation between creating art and drawing, because I think there's something very primal about drawing in the sense that, you know, as old as stories have been, so has drawing been. We were drawing on caves to express those stories, to help uh, visualize some of the tales and make them more more powerful. And I think that same process comes across in drawing and I think drawing's also sort of how we think a lot of time so there's this interesting study I read about where they had two two groups one group uh, was on a phone call and they weren't allowed to doodle they weren't allowed to do anything with their hands they just had to listen to the conversation the other group was given the ability to doodle and draw and do whatever they want with their hands uh, while they listened to the conversation. And at the end of the study, they found 80% of the people who did doodle with their hands remembered the conversation. But majority of the people in the uh, non-drawing group didn't remember the conversation. So there's something about the tactility of using your hands in connection with memory and our ability to, um, you know, retain that information and then be able to re-verbalize it. Yeah. It, although I would imagine like the norm at a lot of jobs and businesses right now is like, if you're in a meeting with someone and you're supposed to be listening and this guy's just like drawing flowers all over the page, <laughs> um, you know let's fire that guy <laughs> let's yeah, fire, yeah. like whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. like that guy's supposed to be our accountant like what's he doing <laughs> pay attention right numbers true. i i think you know i feel like the school systems or the education system has a lot to answer to the stifling of young creative minds because they go in with all these ideas and they come out like factory buttons, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, education systems basically all around the world are all set up to just like pump out a bunch of people who are ready to go work, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's all just about it. Like it, it's less about, you know, learning, uh, you know, useful life skills. And it's more about um, just being sort of like molded into this type of person who will say, yes, I will show up to a job that I don't like from nine to five every day, because that's what I did for my entire childhood going yeah. to school. And yeah. so that's what's just expected of me. It's expected of me to like not have more than however many hours of free time in a day. Mm-hmm. And that, um, you know, art and expression should only be like a secondary thing that I can do once whatever the bills are paid or the kitchens clean, or once I've put in all this like overtime or whatever. Um, that's, that's what school's about, right? It's about like teaching yeah. us to just be those types of, of citizens rather than actually learning useful life skills. Like, like how many classes did you take growing up that were either about like interpersonal skills or relationships or like how we talk to one another, or like, even just like how many art classes did you get versus how many, you know, math classes or history classes or whatever, um, which like, I don't know, I, I don't use that much math in my day-to-day I'm sure certain <laughs> people do and they had to learn the basics at some point but yeah um, but we really put an emphasis on all this other stuff and not on um the things that were most most likely to like require in our day-to-day lives right well even if they taught us how to do our taxes that would be really helpful <laughs> I think they're starting to <laughs> I might be wrong with this I think over here they're starting to have sort of like financial literacy mm. courses when you're <laughs> younger because like yeah like I, I didn't I still probably don't know what I'm doing oh, I don't know gosh. like no one ever taught anyone like we just show up and one day we owe a whole bunch of money exactly <laughs> and uh then we just guess yeah and if you're wrong eh, go to jail uh, all I can say is thank goodness for my accountant <laughs> um but yeah speaking of this you know working within a job and then switching to creating your own job and creating your own work how did you go about um attracting clients was there a process that you used were there any hot tips that you have for any of our listeners honestly like i i think i've kind of lucked out where sort of like i i left my job um and I was still willing to do like the work that I was doing at my last job to like pay bills for when I left the job so I still had enough like contacts and enough people sort of reaching out about doing some work here and there um that I was able to find that type of work mm-hmm. and then on the side I was doing all this sort of drawing stuff and all the boring friends stuff and I feel like the um like it, it kind of shifted just at the right time where I was like like once I started losing interest in the UX type of work, all the boring friend stuff was starting to like kind of get enough attention and, and it was in front of enough people that people were starting to reach about, out for me to like do work um, with boring friends. So I'm in a pretty lucky position right now where like um, the vast, vast majority of people who uh, I end up doing work for or like working with reach out to me. Like they find me mm. typically via like social media or, you know, word of mouth from like other clients um, and they reach out and then we start talking about their their projects and what they want to get uh, get involved with and how they want to collaborate. Um, so 
yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm in a pretty lucky spot where I, like I haven't ever really had to go send out like 200 cold emails to be like, here's my portfolio, here's my work, here's what I do. Um, so uh, I'm lucky in terms of that, but I also, uh, I'm also at a point now where like, I feel like I need to do a little bit more outreach. Like, like, yes, I'm very lucky that I'm in this spot where like clients come to me, that can be enough for me to like fill my books <clears throat> and then I can, I can just work on that. But then, you know, I can't help but think like, okay, if, if these are the clients that are coming to me on their own, like, what about if I just actually approached people directly just to mm. see who else would be interested because they just didn't know that I existed previously. Right. So that might be a, a, a new thing that I'll be doing soon. It's like a little bit more outreach in that way. I think it just shows the power of social media and building a personal brand. If uh, <laughs> it always makes me think of field of dreams, if you build it, they will come, you know? And so you went about producing the work before you even had the clients to meet the expectation. And then through that process of clarifying your message and the type of work you want to create, you attracted the type of clients who were interested in that work. And so the idea of pulling a tribe that is interested in you and what you produce, I think is the best situation you can be as a creator. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's another thing I'm pretty lucky with at this point too, is that like people, people are coming to me to do work, to do stuff that looks like my stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not asking me to, they don't have like 10 different other artists whose work they like better. And they say, you know, make us some version of how this other person does work. They They see my work and they say like, we want some version of this for our brand or for our business or for our project or whatever. Um, but yeah, like you said, like the, in terms of like the sort of um, if you build it, they'll come. Um, a lot of people, I think, worry about, you know, what do they put in a portfolio and what do they show off in order to gain those types of clients? And, and people will have sort of self-defeating ideas of being like, well, I want to do logo design, but I've never, I don't have enough, um, you know, logo experience or logos that I've actually done for people to show off in order to get those jobs. And they just have this sort of chicken and egg situation mm. um, where they're, where they're stuck, but there's nothing stopping you from just making a bunch of logos for like fake businesses and putting them up in your portfolio. Like people just want to see what you're capable of. They don't care if someone had already paid you for it or like how much it costs someone else to, to, uh, to hire you to do that. They just want to see that like you can have this thought and and put it out there. I mean, you don't have to like lie in your portfolio and like yeah. pretend that that business exists and and do some big like, you know, uh, run some scheme about how like you have all these clients that aren't like real clients or whatever. You can just like, you can be upfront and just say like, I decided I wanted to make a bunch of logos for this coffee shop that doesn't exist or for this like, you know, record store or uh, whatever it is um, and just do a whole set of branding for them, do some logos and some illustrations and some colors and expand it and make mock-ups and whatever and just show it off to the world. People just want to see the end product and, and know that you're capable of that. I, I think that is so on point and lots of designers need to hear that because um, actually I, like for myself in 2018, I saw everybody doing hand lettering and I was like, oh, this is dope. 
I want to do that. But again, I had nothing in my portfolio. So I did the 30 day challenge on Instagram where I posted every day. And then that turned into a book. And then I took that book to art director and said, hey, this is what I can do. And then I started getting hired to do typography. So like, even if you have the skills, most clients don't know that. And they want proof of the pudding, as it were. And so if you can visualize for them the potential of what their brand can look like through your fake portfolio, they're sold because they just, they don't have the imagination to do that. And seeing it allows them to believe in it. (laughs) Yeah. I think it helps a lot too, when you're, when you find yourself in a field where, you know, you feel passionate and like interested enough in this like craft or whatever it is that you're taking part of that you're going to be like making this stuff anyways right Mm. like for me to be able to like make a whole bunch of art or like illustrations or branding or logos or whatever um like I was going to make those things anyways I was just going to like create all that art so I'm going to have this portfolio of work of stuff that I just like had this impulse and like inclination to create anyways um, and so once you have this big body of work, you can just show that off and like, no one cares that it wasn't for a client. Nobody cared that, you know, your 30 days of typography wasn't paid. They just want to see <laughs> that you made a whole bunch of cool letters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what's your hope for the future? I mean, any plans? What What are you looking forward to? Where do you want to take boring friends? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like I'm at a real like I guess crossroads of sorts of what I'm doing where I feel like I'm I'm spinning a lot of different plates kind of um which is cool like I I feel like I I have the freedom where I get to try all these different things um but when once you're doing too many things at once I feel like it's hard to like really specialize in something and get really good at that like one or two things that you can offer rather than being like medium good at a hundred different things so um (laughs) So I think this year for me is really trying to figure out what it is that I want to lean into, like whether it is just like doing a whole bunch of client work and just sort of like building up who it is that I'm working with and, you know, maybe get like better and better clients for, you know, more money or more interesting work or more visibility Mm. or whether I move that more to the back burner and start concentrating more on like the apparel design and like the um, you know, selling products, whether it's like prints or shirts or wallpapers or or whatever, um, and seeing if I can, you know, make a decent living that way. Um, doing more sort of like speaking engagements like this, um, doing more um, sort of like, uh, this is, I mean, you've like really tapped into like the the chaos that is my brain of what is coming next because I'm still sort of trying to figure it out. But a lot of the sort of like leaning into the anti-gatekeeping of design and like being able to like, essentially, I guess, like more teaching, like like telling yeah. people, um, here's how you do this stuff. Here's how I got here. Um, and like community building as well, like giving people a means of connecting with other artists and other people doing similar things so that they have that sort of like, community of peers around them to give them the encouragement that they need to like sort of keep going so being some sort of like um you know uh vessel or like medium or something that that helps them uh get to that stage as well um i think i started the sentence off by how i'm gonna like really focus on one thing and then just describe like the 10 (laughs) 
different things that I want to do all simultaneously <laughs> while focusing on one thing. And so um, I've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> well, it's still all within one area. So I'll give you that. <laughs> but uh, it's all connected. So it's a good thing. And speaking of uh, opportunities, uh, tell me one piece of advice you'd give the next generation or a new graphic designer or designer coming up uh, in the world? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, again, it really is just telling people that, like, you can just start, like, today. Like, you don't you don't need anyone's permission to to make art. You don't need anyone. You don't have to, like, check off a certain number of boxes of, like, okay, well, I, I want to start making art, but I have to go take classes for it first. Or mm -hmm. I want to start doing this type of work for people, but I've never done it for them before. Or I want to, like, organize this type of meetup, but I've never organized that kind of thing before. I don't have the qualifications or whatever. Like, yeah. uh, I think I spent a lot of years with those types of sort of like self-limiting beliefs like like i'm not supposed to be there i'm not supposed to be doing that type of thing so i won't even ask or i won't even put it out there but i think like crazy things start to happen when you when you actually like put yourself outside of your comfort zone a little bit and and just test it um and just like test to see what happens if you actually do make the art or if you try to like connect with other people um so yeah, I think it, it's just that like um, I don't really have a, a concise way of saying it necessarily, other than um, to just like just start, just like just start making stuff and just start trying things and put yourself out there. Um, and I, I think once you have done it enough times and you realize that even the times where it doesn't work out or the times where you would count it as like a as a failure or as something that like didn't go the way that was planned, you start to learn that that really wasn't like the end of the world and like no one died and, like, <laughs> set on fire yeah. and so to try it again after you failed is like really not that tough because you know the consequences aren't that, that like terrifying so you just do it over and over again um yeah just do it i think is what i would say <laughs> and i will copyright that and if i find out that anyone beat me to that i'm gonna be very disappointed and i'll probably just give up on everything <laughs> excellent i think that's fantastic advice i'm actually trying to write a book called just start so um you're gonna get sued by Mickey. <laughs> just start not just do it <laughs> yeah that's no oh, that's fine <laughs> um but uh last question for you what does the word fruitful mean to you and um what does it feel like to live a fruitful life? Um, just being able to have as many oranges, I think, in my life as possible. It's, if I can buy all the oranges that I need, which I made very clear was my favorite fruit at the start of this <laughs> podcast. Um, uh, no, fruitful life, I think, for me, is just um, having the, the freedom to kind of express yourself the way that you want to, right? And to be able to do work that you find fulfilling that doesn't feel like work um and work that you know grants you the opportunity to connect with others via you know your art and and uh and your perspective on things so uh yeah i guess fruitful life is just making art thank you so much <laughs> hey and thank you for listening to this episode of the fruitful life i hope you walk away with some nuggets of wisdom from ben and if you did please do 
me a huge favor and leave a rating and a comment to let me know what you think of this show. Also consider telling a friend that might like it. As always, be true, be you, stay fruitful.